is a Kansas memory, a Kansas State Historical Society podcast featuring glimpses of Kansas history from documents in the Library and Archives collections. Before he was known as Wild Bill, James Butler Hickok was one of hundreds of immigrants who streamed into territorial Kansas, hoping to acquire a piece of the Indian reservation lands that were coming onto the market. After the Kansas-Nebraska Act passed in 1854, Northeast Kansas was no longer Indian territory, and it turned into a battleground between the pro-slavery and free state factions. This period of Hickok's life is not very well documented. James grew up in Troy Grove, Illinois. His father, William Alonzo Hickok, was an abolitionist who helped slaves escape to the north. James was 19 when he journeyed to Johnson County, Kansas in June 1856 with his brother Lorenzo. Lorenzo did not stay long, but there are records showing James tried to preempt a claim for 160 acres of Shawnee land in February 1858. It turned out that land had already been claimed as Wyandotte float land. These are excerpts from a letter James wrote to his brother Horace from Kansas Territory on November 24, 1856. Dear brother, I received your letter dated the 7th and was glad to hear from you and always will be glad to get letters from home. But when you get ready to write to me again, please leave it off another week and maybe you can think of nonsense enough to fill a letter without writing capital letters. You mentioned, friend, that Mary Ann Masterman married Mr. Hunt. I was sorry to hear it, though I am glad to hear that you had a chance to enjoy a few leisure moments at an evening party and very much obliged to you for dancing with Sarah M. for me. And I hope that you will continue to do your duty, for I consider it your duty to dance with the girls for me while I am absent from home. I opened your letter when I was coming home this evening to see who it was from, and the first thing I read, you wanted to know what was going on in Kansas. I looked ahead of me to where the roads cross. I saw about 500 soldiers a-going on. And I looked down the river and saw some nice steamers, and they were all going on. And that is the way with all the people in Kansas. They're all going on. I guess they are going on to hell. So you see, I have told you what is going on in Kansas. If I had money as much one month ago as I do now, I would have had a deed to 160 acres of land now. But never mind, there is more land to be sold in Kansas yet. There is the finest country in Kansas I ever saw. Nice rolling prairie, nice timber on the creeks. During 1856, the violence along the Kansas-Missouri border was at its peak. The free state town of Lawrence was sacked and burned down in May, and throughout the summer, depredations on both free state and pro-slavery towns continued. When the new territorial governor, John Geary, arrived in September, he issued an order that all armed forces were to disband. But news of the proclamation spread slowly. At the Battle of Hickory Point on September 14th, a group composed of pro-slavery settlers and South Carolina troops clashed near Ozaukee with free state forces led by Colonel James Harvey from Lawrence. The pro-slavery troops soon surrendered, but Harvey's men were arrested afterward and charged with murder. They were tried in Ozaukee in October, where Samuel D. LeCompte was the presiding judge. The 20 men who were convicted were eventually pardoned. James mentions the battle in his letter in some detail. Mentioned something about my being in government protection, but I ain't nor have not been. But if Uncle Sam's troops had been at Hickory Point 15 minutes sooner than they were, I might have had the honor riding with Uncle Sam's troops. 
But Captain Harvey had given orders that scouts should be sent towards Leavenworth City to see whereabouts the companies of Captain Dunn and Miller's company were camping. For you must know that they were camping all the while, only when provisions got so scarce that they could not help marching. And that is the way with all pro-slavery companies done. There are 29 of our company in custody at Lecompton. Yet I have been out to see them once. I had a good horse and as good a gun as there was in our company. There was a man living on Crooked Creek who furnished me with a horse and a rifle and revolver. What I have told you is true. I have rode night after night without getting out of my saddle. There is no roads, no creeks, no trails, no groves, no crossings, no springs, no parties of any kind between Leavenworth and Lawrence or the captain of what I have known well. Well, you want to know what is going on in Kansas? Well, I'll tell you. The land sales commenced on 17 of November. There is more speculators here than you can have any idea of. Those men don't trouble the squatters at all, but take every foot of vacant land, rough or smooth. Our troubles are at an end. Things are very peaceable here now. Governor Gary told Judge Lecompte that he had no further use for him nor Marshal Donaldson. That caused some excitement amongst the pro-slavery party, but they know better than to make much fuss about it. You talk as if you thought if you were here that I would hunt with you. I have something else to do. I can kill all the game we want before sunrise and by moonlight. So what would be the use for me to hunt anymore? And that you could not do for you don't get up early enough and you never scouted any and so you could not hunt well at night. Hickok continues the letter on November 27th, ending on a lighter note, perhaps wanting to keep his family from worrying about him. James had three older brothers, Oliver, Horace, and Lorenzo, and two younger sisters, Celinda and Lydia. Butler was his mother Polly's maiden name, and James's middle name, and he may have already been using the name William or Bill when he came to Kansas. James also stayed for a while with a cousin, Guy Butler, who had a claim near Olathe. Now, my dear brother, I want you to excuse these few lines that I have written to you, and also those bad mistakes and bad spelling for I have written them all by candlelight every night when I was about half tight and the other half not exactly right. I can't see well enough to spell well at night when I was all right. I have got a bad cold. Otherwise I am well, weighing 180 pounds now. I will tell you a few lies. I have quit swearing now. Take care there, Bill. I have quit drinking. Tut-tut now, Bill. I have quit playing poker now. There, take care of what you say. I quit dancing entirely, sure. I have quit chewing tobacco, and I don't take any lager beer, and I don't speak to the girls at all. I hold no interest with the world around as everything looks dark about me and around, but there is a bright spark ahead, and it I see, and it will pursue till my fiddle strings break, my dog dies, and my gun bursts. That is so. I want Lydia and Celinda both to write to me every week without fail. Hiram Higgins, the rascal, was going to write to me often if I would write to him twice, and I'm waiting for an answer. I wish the sheet of paper was a little larger, for I would like to write a little more and sure I will have to quit. And only these few lines. I am sorry, but I can't help it. From your brother James Hickok to H.D. Hickok. 
Hickok tried unsuccessfully in 1858 to acquire some of the Delaware reservation lands. In 1859, he began working as a teamster for Jones and Cartwright in Leavenworth, and his dream of the four brothers farming together in Kansas never came true. This has been a Kansas Memory, a Kansas Historical Society podcast. The documents used in this podcast are from Kansas Memory, a virtual repository of primary sources from our collections. The URL for this website is www.kansasmemory.org.